This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, you have been with us all year. Most of you have, at least. And we're bringing 2022 to a wrap. All right, if you're listening to this on time, there are just a few hours left in this year. And this has been a huge year. And so this is our year in review episode. We're going to go into all the stuff that went down this year. But before that, I just want to say thank you to everybody that has left us a positive five-star review and has shared this podcast with other people. If you've not done so, please go ahead and do that. But thank you so much. And also to all of you that are using uh, our, I guess, platform, our company, whatever, to be a destination for your year-end giving. We are, we are so happy for the year-end gifts that we've been getting from y'all. And also, we've had a lot of people sign up for because monthly givers going forward. And so as we've told you about on this podcast a lot, we cannot produce any of the content that we do unless we have supporters and donors like you guys. So if you've not done that, please go ahead and hop on board. We have a donation page on our website, undaunted.life backslash donate. And if you have given before, thank you so, so very much. You're the reason why I can stand here in front of this microphone and talk trash. And then also just wanted to give one last shout out in 2022 for Origin Maine. They're a company that supports what we do, and we want to support them as well. And so they make the best jujitsu geese on the planet. They make, you know, made in America boots and jeans, and they've got hunting gear, a new hunting line. I can't wait for my hunting line stuff to come in. And then on the Jocko Fuel side, they've got Jocko Go Energy Drinks. They've got creatine. They've got greens. They've got a lot of different things. they got, you know, sleep aids and all kinds of stuff. And they want you guys to be able to use their products at a discount. So if you go there and at the checkout, there's like a coupon code or promo code spot where you can put in the code UNDAUNTED to get 10 10% off your order. That's just undaunted for 10% off your order at originmain.com. That will be in the show notes. Now, before we get into everything that's gone down in the year of 2022, I just want to do like a little personal update for 2022 because there were some kind of huge things that happened for me personally in 2022 that these are highlights for me, I guess you could say. The first thing in January is I got my purple belt. And so I started training jujitsu back in, I guess that would have been the summer of 2017. And have competed, uh, you know, quite a bit. I've I've trained a whole lot. I haven't competed a ton, but I've competed. I haven't. Uh, I've done a lot of training. I've had a lot of injuries, a lot of ups and downs. But uh, I did an entire episode earlier this year about me getting my purple belt. But it's it's a big deal because you know, for those of you that don't know, you go white belt, blue belt, purple belt, and then it's brown belt, black belt, and you know that's that's basically it. So I'm right there in the middle of I guess this pathway to the black belt in jujitsu, which doesn't mean your jujitsu journey stops. It means that you know it's really just starting in a lot of ways. But very very big moment moment for me. Very, very happy for that. Uh, to a degree, it's like, okay, you can kind of hide if you're a crappy blue belt, but if you're a crappy purple belt, it's like, mm, you know, it's a bad reflection, not only on you, but on your gym. And so obviously trying to live up to that is a big thing for me moving forward. Then in March, we welcomed our second son to our family. So Eli Thompson, we just call him squish. He came in March. And so we've, uh, you know, I've, I don't know that I've ever seen a happier baby. This baby smiles all the time. Like, you know, if you're having a bad day, come over to my house and then just walk up to my baby and say hi. And he will smile at at you and you will feel better. So that happened back in March. And then at some point this summer, I don't know if it was June or July, I got the greatest, most awful gift possible. And that was an Airdyne bike. I got the Rogue Echo bike. And so for those of you that have never been on one of those things before. Um, this isn't like one of those stationary bikes where you stop pedaling and it still keeps going and it kind of keeps the momentum going for you. I mean, you've got the, you know, the pedals, but then you've also got the, the arms on there. And if you stop moving, this thing stops moving. 
Okay. And it is awful, but I got to tell you, it, it's a great thing for any of you guys that are needing quick cardio. Cause if you do 10 minutes on that thing where you go 20 seconds on 10 seconds off, 20 seconds on 10 seconds off, what is that? 20 sets of that. You're going to be dead. Especially if you're actually pushing it, if you're trying to hit a particular miles per hour or calories or something like that, it is an absolute big thing, but big highlight for me. That's a great addition to the home gym. And then follow up uh, with December of this year, getting that red stag, getting to go on that red stag hunt. If you go back to episode 400 of this podcast, I talk a little bit about that hunt and some of the things that I learned on that. But a, a once in a lifetime hunt, uh, I'm so happy to have the stag meat in my freezer and uh, the Euro mount on the wall in our living room. And it is just fantastic that we were able to do that in December. Again, shout out to uh, Heath for for taking me out, uh, a fan of the show for taking me out and, and showing me a great time and then also helping lead that hunt. Uh, but also this year, and this is something I talked about on the best book, books of 2022. This was the most prolific year for me reading ever. So I read 54 books in 11 months. And I can just tell you, I just don't see that happening again. We're going to be doing some things that we're going to be announcing here very, very soon. That is going to adjust some of the things that we're doing next year with the podcast. And so it's not going to be as many interviews. We're still going to have great interviews and great guests because we know you guys want them. But I mean, it was getting to the point where it's like, you know, three or four interviews a week. All of those had uh, at least one, maybe multiple books to be read. I don't read very fast. I don't have a whole lot of time to read. And so, but you know, that is is kind of a high watermark for me. So all you guys that are reading 100 plus books per year, man, shout out to you guys are crushing it. But uh, that was a good one for me. And then also just for the podcast in general, we added a third weekly podcast, which may not seem like a lot to you guys. But going from, because we've released at least one episode a week since 2017, we have not missed and we're not going to miss unless something crazy happens. And then when we expanded to two, you're doubling your output. I know that that's simple math, but you're doubling your output, but then adding another podcast on top of that, making sure that we get three podcasts out to you a week. That that's a lot like that is a whole lot. So it's, it's a lot of dedication, but it's also a lot of sacrifice to get that to you. So guys, if you know people out there that are doing a daily show or something like that, or, or, or even if they've got a team of people behind them, that, that also helps quite a bit, but man, that takes a lot of effort. And so even if you're not a huge fan of it, you should respect what they're doing and you compliment them and send them a note telling them how much you appreciate it. Because, um, you know, I guess you should do that for the people that are actually doing good work uh, because you can just turn the microphone on, you know, five days a week and, you know, just ramble for an hour, I guess. But if you're actually putting in the research, if you're, if you're putting in the time and effort uh, before interviews and stuff like that, it is certainly a big deal. So let's go ahead and get into some stuff for 2022. I always kind of do this like at the end of the year, like, Hey, what were the big movies or the big songs and all that? So let's just do a random rundown here. So the highest grossing movie of the year was Top Gun Maverick. It was 1.4 billion dollars globally. And then you had Jurassic World Dominion, which was at a billion dollars. And then Dr. Strange, the multiverse, whatever movie it was right around a billion dollars, which it's like, how are people still going to these superhero movies? Like, haven't you guys gotten the point? The world's definitely going to end and then it doesn't end. And it's the same thing, but it's two and a half hours of the same thing. And yeah, it's cool special effects, but it's 2023 guys. I mean, of course, they're going to have good special effects. They're spending a billion dollars on the movie. They can probably make it look cool. And then I didn't know a single human being that thought the Jurassic World movie was good. And then on the Top Gun Maverick side, I hate to even admit this out loud. I may be the only person left on the planet that hasn't watched it. Um, that, was, that came out right around the time uh, Squish was born and when he was really young. And I mean, 
just being able to peel off for a few hours to go and do that just by myself because my wife isn't really into movies. Like, that was just not something that was in the cards. And so I still haven't watched it. It is on my list, guys. The next time I get a free, however many uh, hours it needs, you know, two or three hours, I will definitely check that out and watch it. Then we have the biggest album of the year was Midnight's by Taylor Swift. So for all you Swifties out there, there you go. And then the biggest song of the year was As It Was by Harry Styles. And I'm pretty sure he was wearing a dress whenever we recorded that. So there you go. Harry Styles, he, he had a big year. Good for him. Next one here, the most popular, I guess, whatever that means, YouTube video of the year. Okay. So it's always kind of weird, you know, how they, how they categorize it. Cause there are show, you know, things that blew up that were already on YouTube from years ago. But anyway, according to YouTube, it was a video called so long nerds by Technoblade. And so Technoblade, I'm not familiar with this person, but he's an online gamer. Um, I'm not sure even what game he played, but, uh, apparently he got sick. Didn't really tell anybody about it. No one even really knew who he really was. He was just this Technoblade moniker or whatever, but he got sick. And then he made this video and it was just kind of a goodbye to his fans and his father was a part of the video or whatever. And so that was the biggest YouTube video of the year. The best-selling nonfiction book of the year was Atomic Habits by James Clear. Now, if you've been listening to the show for at least a year, you will know that I mentioned that on last year's episode at the end of the year, because it was also last year's number one best-selling nonfiction book of the year. At least this is according to Amazon. And I just got to be honest, I have no idea why this book is such a mega hit bestseller because I think I talked about this because I read it last year and I think I gave it the award of my most disappointing book because everyone was talking about this book and I'm so excited to read it. And then I read it and I was like, this book should just be called how to be an adult, like being an adult 101. There was nothing in this book that if you're super type A and you get stuff done, you didn't really learn anything from this book. Right. And so the fact that this is just selling millions and millions of copies, I mean, good for James Clear, but I just don't get it. The best selling fiction book of the year is It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover. That was also the same number one fiction selling book from last year. So I think that's a, a romance novel or something like that. But that's really crazy that the best selling nonfiction book and the best selling fiction book were the same two years in a row. So, I mean, those people are, are making money hand over fist. So, you know, cheers to you guys. All right, now we need to go to the most watched TV series on television. Now, I, I went to a lot of different places um, to try to find this, and I think I got this data correct, but it might be a little bit off. Who freaking cares? But in terms of television, like actual on television was Better Call Saul because this was the last season of the Breaking Bad prequel because, you know, in well, I won't give any spoilers if, if anybody's in the middle of watching it. It's not nearly as good as Breaking Bad, but it was, you know, big. So this was the final season. And then in terms of streaming, Stranger Things. So I've not watched Stranger Things. I don't know anything about it, but apparently... Apparently it was uh, not, you know, on the streaming site or whatever for a couple of years. They took a couple of years off and then they came back. So that was the biggest one. And then also the most like tweet of 2022 was on April the 27th, 2022 by the new owner of Twitter now, Elon Musk. He said, next I'm buying Coca-Cola to put the cocaine back in. And so that got 4.7 million likes to date. So that was the biggest and most like tweet of 2022. Now we need to go to the world of sports. I always like to do a little rundown of what happened in the world of sports. In terms of Major League Baseball, we don't need to talk about who won the World Series because they're the absolute worst, but we'll get to some more baseball here in a second. In terms of college football, Georgia finally got over the hump and beat Alabama. They actually trounced them 33-18 to 18, to capture their first natty since 1980. I know that made my buddy Joby Martin happy. He's the only person I know that actually went to Georgia, so good for him. Then in the Stanley Cup Finals, the Colorado Avalanche beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in six games to capture their first Stanley Cup since 2001. And I think the Lightning were, they had won two Stanley Cups in a row. Again, guys, I'm still just trying to figure out how to be a hockey fan. So I think the Tampa Bay Lightning were going for a three-peat and the Colorado Avalanche uh, ruined that party. And then this was a year for new undisputed, undisputed 
undisputed UFC champs. So Yuri Pohaska, he won the lightweight title. He beat Glover Teixeira on June the 11th. That that title, the lightweight title, is actually vacant now because Yuri Pohaska had, you know, a, basically could be a career-ending shoulder injury, and then they had kind of an, a new fight, and that didn't really work out. So Glover Teixeira is actually going to be fighting again for the title next year. Then we have Alex Pajeda. He won the middleweight title by beating Israel Adesanya on November the 12th. He knocked him out in the, you know, basically in the last few minutes of the fifth round. And similar to that, we had Leon Edwards take the welterweight title off of Kamara Usman on August the 20th. And so hopefully we can all, you know, stop with this Kamara Usman's the GOAT stuff. Or, you know, Carl, Kamaru Usman's even like the welterweight goat because he was still so far behind George St. Pierre. But George St. Pierre never got head kicked and knocked out in the last minute of a championship fight. So there it is. Now that's over. Then we have Islam Makachev. He won the lightweight t- title by beating Charles Oliveira on October the 22nd. Wasn't even a close fight. He absolutely destroyed him. And then we had Devison Figueredo. He won or re-won the flyweight title, beating Brandon Moreno on January the 22nd. That was their trilogy fight. They're actually going to be fighting for a fourth time early next year. Then we had Amanda Nunes, the GOAT uh, women's fighter. She won the women's bantamweight title back from Juliana Pena, who had beaten her in the previous fight. It was a one-sided fight. That was back on July 30th. And then Zhang Wei Li, she won the women's strawweight title by beating Carla Esparza on November the 12th that you know really was never in question because Carlos Barza you know she's a fine fighter but she won the weirdest worst fight of all time against Rose Nami Yunus and so that fight should have been the rematch between Zhang Weili and Rose Nami Yunus but that's not the way it worked out but it'll all work out next year I'm sure they'll all fight each other and then the world of boxing again I don't spend a whole lot of time watching boxing but Canelo Alvarez was like the number one everything everywhere he only lost to Floyd that kind of thing but he got beat by a guy named Dimitri Bivol Bivol however you say it on May the 7th and just got smashed by this guy so that happened in boxing in the world World Cup, all you people that watch soccer, Argentina actually won, and uh, I think it was their third title ever and first one since the 80s or something like that. But as much as this pains me to say it out loud because I just am not a fan of the guy, this does solidify Lionel Messi as the greatest soccer player of all time. Because I think Pele is still the guy with, you know, three, uh, three World Cup titles or something like that. But Messi had won every single award that you could possibly win as a team you know, as a member of a team, as, as a captain of a team, but also as an individual, but he had never captured the World Cup final, the World Cup gold, and I think he won the golden boot as well. And so that does solidify him. That may have been his last World Cup, but he's certainly going to go out on top if that's the uh, if that's the end for him. Then we had the biggest sports story, in my opinion, of 2022, and in all the world of sports, sorry, I just hit my microphone, in all the world of sports, everything that we've done, Aaron Judge becoming the undisputed home run king. So in Texas, at the Texas Rangers, uh, the Yankees were on the road. Aaron Judge hit his 62nd home run of the year. I actually had a buddy in the crowd with his son, and they got to watch that. The 62nd home run, and you know he passed Roger Maris, who had hit 61 home runs, and Babe Ruth, who had hit, hit 60, to become the undisputed champion now, or the home run champion. So here's the thing. Being the new home run king, people are like, well, wait a minute. Didn't Sammy Sosa hit more in a season? Yeah, he hit more in two seasons. So did Mark McGuire, and so did Barry Bonds. But all those guys, their their blood type was Tropicana when they did that. They were as juicy as juicy gets. And yes, it does make a huge difference. If you already know how to hit the ball, being like basically one giant pectoral muscle with two arms coming out of it, yes, that makes a huge difference in your ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And so Aaron Judge, who we have had no negative thing about that he's ever been on any type of performance-enhancing drug or anything like that. It always you know, seems like he's been a bang-up guy. He hits the 60-second home run, and I think we need to stop referring to Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, and everyone talking about Barry Bonds being the, the solidified you know, home run king. It is Aaron Judge from here on out. He's not the AL home run king. He is the home run king 
of all time for a sport that's over 150 years old. So congratulations to Aaron Judge, the biggest sports story of 2022. And then we have the dumbest sports story of 2022, and that's Leah Thomas. And so this is the dude that's pretending to be a chick so that he can win, you know, swimming races. He's the NCAA swimmer that swam for Penn. This guy is just like, he's like gonorrhea. He just won't go away. Like, you know, he was a thing in 2021, and then he became a thing in 2022 as well. And now, as we get closer to the next Summer Olympics, we're still going to be talking about this guy and wondering if he's going to get cleared. And as it looks like right now, he's not going to be able to beat up on the women and compete against them in the pool and all these different things. But the thing that I liked about what happened around the stuff with Lee Autonomous is this dude was starting to get the ridicule that he deserves. And it was especially after the pictures came out when he's standing on the podium at the NCAAs. And then you have the girl that got second place and the girl that got third place. And then the girl that didn't make the podium, but got the fourth best time, they all took a picture together because that was the legitimate top three. And then you have this gargantuan dude standing off to their, to their right, I think. And he's holding his, you know, first place trophy or something like that. And it's like, that's it. That's it right there. Everyone knows that we need to crop out that humongous dude that beat these girls and focus on the girls that actually won. But I just, I I really feel bad for the girl that got fourth place because she got nothing. She literally walked away with nothing, no trophies, no accolades. You know, I don't know if that affects her ability to compete in the Olympics or any of those types of things, getting endorsements or, you know, now we have the name, image and likeness stuff with NCAA. So she may have lost out very well, uh, lost out on money because she didn't podium at the NCAAs. But this dude did because he grew his hair out and wears lipstick occasionally and says, oh, yeah, I know I have a twig and berries and I know I'm basically lived my entire life as a guy. But yeah, 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 sure. Uh, Let me just go ahead and compete against the girls. Okay, but that is certainly the dumbest sports story of 2022. Now we need to look at noteworthy deaths of 2022. So there were a lot of people that you may have heard of that died this year. So I'm just going to run down those lists real quick. So actress Kirstie Alley died at 71. Uh, Famous pitcher Gaylord Perry died at 84. I think he's the first pitcher actually to win the Cy Young in each uh, league, the AL and the NL. We have music legend Jerry Lee Lewis died at 87. Bruce Suter, who's... um, you know, a Hall of Fame pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. He died at 69. Angela Lansbury, famous actress, died at 96. Uh, royalty in the country music space, Loretta Lynn, died at 90. Royalty in the hip-hop space, Coolio, died at 59. Literal royalty, Queen Elizabeth II, died at 96. Mikhail Gorbachev, who was the last president of the USSR, died at 91. Olivia Newton-John, the singer and the actress, died at 73. Vin Scully, the greatest broadcaster in the history of sports, not just baseball, but in the history of sports, died at 94, uh, who some people consider to be the greatest basketball player of all time, certainly the most championship rings of anybody in professional basketball. Bill Russell died at 87. Herschel Woody Williams, he was the last surviving Medal of Honor winner from World War II. He died at 98. Ray Liotta, the actor, died at 67. Another uh, you know, royal uh, person who is royalty in the country music space, Naomi Judd, died at 75. Comedian Gilbert Godfrey died at 66. Taylor Hawkins, who's the drummer for the Foo Fighters, died at 49 after an overdose. Meatloaf, uh, the, the singer and actor died at the age of 74 and the famous uh, actor and comedian Bob Saget died at 66. There were certainly others, but those were some of the notable deaths from this le- this year. But now I want to go into talking a little bit about some news stories that perhaps you've forgotten that actually happened in 2022. Because if you pay attention to the news cycle, which I obviously encourage you guys to do and encourage you know all of you to do at different points, you see these stories and you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. And then something happens a week later and you're like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. And then something happens three days later and it's like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. And so it's really easy to kind of forget that stuff actually happened here in these last 12 months. So let's go down a short list of those. On January the 22nd of this year, this was the beginning of the Freedom Convoy in Canada. 
Yeah, that seems like it happened like five years ago. That was this year, guys. And so these are the people that were being locked down by that dictatorial idiot up there that's basically locking down the entire country and and trying to to you know enforce things upon the Canadian people. And so the Freedom Convoy started. They they drove down to the capital of Canada and they were just kind of making things hard uh, for for the boy king of up there. And um, the the craziest thing that I guess happened with all that is not only did the truckers basically not get anything that they wanted, they got a whole lot of negative stuff. They they were you know having bank accounts uh, seized. Um, there was a lot of craziness that was happening up there. Uh, with, with the prime minister. And so that's just something we all need to kind of keep an eye on because some of the stuff that happened and some of the emergency things that were put in place because these truckers decided to peacefully protest was absolutely insane. Then back on March the 9th, Ernest Shackleton's ship, the Endurance, was found in the Antarctic, which was amazing because obviously it's freezing, you know, <clears throat> well below freezing frigid waters. And so it preserved a lot of the ship. And that's the ship that is from the book by Alfred Lansing, Endurance, which I talked about as well. So the fact that they found the ship, you know, in a lot of ways intact was fantastic and amazing. And then on March the 27th, Will Smith smacked Chris Rock at the Oscars. Yes, that happened this year. I just remember that's, I mean... In a lot of ways, that's probably the most talked about thing that we heard about this year, at least in the pop culture world. And then on March the 28th, which is the day after that, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed the Parental Guides and uh, Parental Rights and Education Bill. This was basically keeping element the you know the the government schools in the state of Florida from basically indoctrinating children with gender ideology before fourth grade. So it was like third grade and below, and that was called the Don't Say Gay Bill and all this nonsense, but that was signed this year. Then on May the 3rd, that was the day the leaked SCOTUS draft opinion of the overturning of Roe v. Wade came out, and so that was released by Politico. It was Justice Alito's draft opinion, so that was a huge deal. And here we are sitting here at the end of December. Do we know who leaked it? Do we know which office, which justice had somebody in their office leak a draft opinion, which is, I guess, never happened in the history of the the Supreme Court? Are we just going to forget about that? I guess we are. Then on May the 24th, Robb Elementary School, there was a shooting there. Uh, that's in Uvalde, Texas. So 21 people killed, 19 children and two other adults that were killed there. Obviously, one of the worst uh, mass shootings that we've ever seen. Uh, we, we talked a lot about that this year. Then on June the 1st, Johnny Depp won his defamation case against his insane ex-wife, Amber Heard. So that was on everybody's minds for, for multiple months. And so if you're anything into pop culture, that was something that dominated your year. Also on June the 1st, the Daily Wire launched Matt Walsh's documentary, What is a Woman. And so you're not going to see this on anybody's like best documentaries of the year list, especially in the mainstream media, because they want this thing to go away. But that is probably the single biggest thing that the Daily Wire has ever produced. And that includes everything that Ben Shapiro's done, everything that Andrew Clavin's done, Michael Knowles, Candace Owens, you know, kind of the, the whole team. It is the biggest thing they've ever done. And if you have not watched What is a Woman, you need to get a Daily Wire subscription at least just to watch that. Then on June the 8th, an armed man was arrested outside of the Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh's home. And this man intended to kill the justice. <clears throat> now, again, if this would, would have been someone outside of uh, Sotomayor's home, uh, so, uh, you know, so it, it would have just been, we'd still be hearing about it. But that news story went away like a fart in the wind. That thing disappeared almost immediately. But some guy was literally arrested outside of a, you know, a justice's home. And they said, yeah, I was going to kill this person. And then it's like, oh, yeah, well, we don't need to talk about the rhetoric around the Supreme Court and around the Roe v. Wade decision and any of those types of things. Yeah, we don't really need to mess with that. 
Then we have on June the 30th, Jordan Peterson inked a deal with the Daily Wire. So that is a huge thing because Jordan Peterson is one of the most dominant intellectuals in the public space, really all over the world. The guy's selling out arenas right now, going on a speaking tour and inking a deal with the Daily Wire is an absolutely huge thing. I'm excited for everything they're going to be producing as we move forward. Then on July the 8th, we have former president of Japan or former prime minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe, was assassinated. So he was assassinated in a country where they they have the, some of the strictest gun laws in the world, but this guy basically made a homemade gun that could shoot one bullet and he shot it at Shinzo Abe and killed him. And then on August the 8th, the totally nonpartisan and non-political FBI raided former President Donald Trump's residence at Mar-a-Lago. We still haven't gotten all of the gist of what's going to happen from that, but that was obviously something that was unprecedented. And then also on October the 24th, co-president Joe Biden announced his student loan forgiveness plan, which he sim- it's seemingly something that he knew was never going to go through, but it might get him some extra mo- votes in the midterms. And it actually seemingly worked out. So all these morons are like, oh, yeah, I want my student loans to get taken away. They just said, yeah, I'll vote for this person who literally can't even spell his name at this point. But that happened on August. And then on uh, September the 1st, co-president Joe Biden delivered his continued battle for the soul of the nation speech in Philadelphia, where he essentially called everyone that disagrees with him or everyone that doesn't vote for him a dangerous MAGA Republican. So that was something where he's basically castigating everybody. And then he wants to complain about the temperature of the electorate and how, you know, there's no unity. Well, you have a hand to play in this, sir. Also, September the 16th, that was the murder of Misa, uh, or I think it was Masa Amini by the Iranian religious morality police for not wearing her hijab properly. And so that led to a bunch of protests that are ongoing in the country of Iran. And that is a, uh, it's just kind of an insane thing to think about. Like, even as, as bad as things can seem here in the United States, we're not having police officers pulling women off the streets because they're not wearing things properly. But in that Muslim country that is dominated by Sharia law, that's exactly what happened. Now, the the religious morality police are claiming that, oh, you know, she got sick and that's what happened. But they basically, they beat this woman to death. And it's led to all these people revolting in Iran. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. And then on October the 28th, Elon Musk officially took over Twitter as its new owner. Again, as I've said to you before, this guy is a leftist. And we need to be concerned about what he's going to be doing with this platform as we move forward. We can't just trust that he's going to do everything that we would like. But he's just gotten into the job. He's going to be stepping down as CEO soon and giving the reins somebody else. We'll have to see. And then the last news story that you may have forgotten is the world population passed 8 billion people on November the 15th of this year. And so to all those people that were like, if we get, you know, past 6 billion people on the planet, we're just going to have people, you know, starving all over the place because of global warming and, and you know, we can't sustain the things that are happening and we can't have subsistence farming and all of that. What about those people? Because the only people that are starving to death here in this world right now, it's not because of the climate. You see, it's not because of natural disasters. It is almost entirely because of corrupt governments that are keeping their people down and, you know, uh, abusing them and basically keeping them from eating, right? That That's essentially how we've gotten to this right now. So the other people on the planet, they're not searching around for food. They're not scrounging. They're not eating crickets or anything like that. But guys, those are all the, the things that happened this year, all the news stories that went down that you may have forgotten about. All right, now I'm going to give some attention to some news stories. And I'm actually, I guess, I gave them their own categories. You can look at them at awards. This is awards week here on Undaunted Life of Man's podcast. So maybe these are the awards. So the first one that I want to give out is the most concerning news story of 2022. And that is people have completely forgotten about the plight of the people of Afghanistan. Because in August of 2022, that was the one year anniversary of the United States 
disaster of pulling out of Afghanistan, not just pulling out in general, but the way that we pulled out of Afghanistan and the plight and uh, chaos that that created for the people in, in, Af- in Afghanistan, because we handed the country over to a bunch of uh, sheep herding terrorists, right? The Taliban, which are not a government organization. That is a terrorist organization. And we're not supposed to be negotiating with these terrorists. At least the state department would like you to believe that we're not, but then we're supposed to pretend like the Taliban is just, you know, they're reformed and they're all these different things. But what is happening on the ground in Afghanistan right now is horrific. There are people that are being murdered in the streets. The women who were going to school and had jobs and were able to do all these things, they're no longer able to do that. They're being subjugated within that community, obviously under Sharia law, because that's that comes directly from Muslim ideology. And that is just something that that's very concerning to me, how quickly as a people we were going to move on from that story. But guys, from the moment we saw those people charging at H. Kaya to try to get on the planes and the people falling from the planes and all the stories uh, about, you know, babies that were that were being murdered in front of Marines to get the Marines to react and all these different things. I knew that it wouldn't take us but a couple of weeks to forget about it because we don't want to see stuff like that. Like we don't, that's icky. It makes us not feel good. We, we'd rather watch, you know, a movie or binge something on Netflix or, or listen to a new song from our favorite artist and, and all that stuff's fine. We don't need to only focus on the negative things that are happening. But we collectively as a people have forgotten about the men that lost their lives and their limbs while they were there in Afghanistan, not just on our side, but also our allies as well. We're just forgetting about those people. And we're also forgetting about what is befalling the Afghan people now, because now that the United States has pulled out and another dominant world hegemon hasn't come in, there's a power vacuum in Afghanistan. So you've got ISIS, you've got ISIS-K, you've got Al-Qaeda, you've got uh, the Taliban, you've got all these entities that they love working together-ish when they're fighting against the dominant devil, which is the United States of America, right? But now when the United States of America is not doing things there anymore, now those people are fighting amongst each other which makes it even worse for the general populace of Afghanistan. So a lot more to, uh, could be said there, but we'll wrap that up there. That is the most concerning news story of 2022. Now, the most insane news story of 2022, in my mind, is the red whimper that came on November the 2nd. So we heard all year, guys, all year, that there was going to be a red wave in November, that no matter what, the, the Republicans were going to win the United States House of Representatives by a wide margin. They were likely going to take over the Senate. And then we were going to see the actual downfall of the presidency of co-president Biden. And that would march us to 2024, where we're going to have, you know, somebody that's going to take over the White House. And all of a sudden, Republicans are going to have, you know, control of, of, of Congress and the White House again, right? <clears throat> and, and then you've got the conservatives on the Supreme Court. This is going to be great. And then November 2nd rolled around. And basically, none of that happened. So the Senate is now 5149 to the Democrats, uh, which it should have never been that close. Uh, most people think were thinking that Republicans would end up with 52, 53, 54 seats. That didn't happen. Uh, basically, uh, a lot of governors seats that were supposed to flip didn't flip. There were some good things that happened for the GOP on that day. But then as it sits right now, I think it's going to be three or four uh, person majority in the House of Representatives for the GOP. And they can't even pick a speaker right now because there's a schism within the party. And when things are that close, you can't have a schism. You have to have every single one of the votes that could be whipped together at the same time. But this was just an insane story to me because I I want to ask Democratic voters and Joe Biden supporters, what exactly is it that you've liked about the last two years? Because there has to be something. Because I know Democrats will literally vote for anybody. They voted for somebody who's brain dead to be their senator in the state of Pennsylvania. They voted for someone who is literally dead to win their seat in the House of Representatives. So they'll vote for somebody with a D next to their name. And I I get that. Okay, I understand that you're philosophically more together than Republicans are. 
But what do you like? You voted for Joe Biden in 2020, but what did you, what do you like about what he's done? Like, are there policy prescriptions that he's actually driven through that you're like, yes, this is great. The, the insane levels of spending, the unbelievable amounts of money that we're sending to Ukraine, uh, have things gotten better for you as the economy has continued to go into the toilet and inflation has shot to the moon? What exactly were you looking for? So all I can think of is that the Republicans are just so unbelievably bad at this. Like, how is it possible? Like, has there ever been a situation in politics that was more ripe for the, the opposing party to overtake something and to take advantage of the horrible state of affairs in the country than what we had this year in 2022? Because I can't think of one. Again, I'm not the oldest guy in the world, but it's like, I understand history a little bit. Almost every time there's a midterm election after the switching of the party in the White House, that deceit, that person's party will lose a ton of seats in Congress. And it just didn't happen. So it was just an insane story. No one can really tell us the reasons why we've all kind of pontificated and philosophized about it. But that's the most insane news story to me of 2022. Now we have the most ignored news story of 2022, and that is the somewhere between four and five million illegal border crossings since Joe Biden took office. Okay. It's really hard to put that that into perspective. And again, I say somewhere between four and five million. I know that that makes a big difference, but we don't know the exact numbers because as many people that we know have illegally walked across our Southern border and just kind of disappeared into the interior of the country. There are several more that have done so that went undetected, okay? And the reason why this was the most ignored story, well, I don't know, I think I guess the reason behind it, but there, there's, some, there's some craziness going on with all this right now because this should be the dominant news story, I think, right? Not Ukraine, not the, even the stuff in Afghanistan, but it's the level of, of illegal border crossings and how the country can't sustain all of that especially when these are people that are not going to come into the American way of life. They're not going to learn our language. They're not going to become a part of our communities. They're not going to assimilate to American culture. They're just bringing their culture to the United States and then just squatting here. Okay. And this is not a time to to quote scripture to me about the sojourner and all that. I'm not saying that we should treat these people poorly, but what these people are doing is breaking the laws of a sovereign nation on purpose. Now, you may not like the, the circumstances that they're in in their country, and that's something that can be addressed, and that's something that the U.S. could actually have a direct hand in. But there are people that are literally, because of morality, because of fairness, trying to go through the front door of the process of becoming American citizens. And then you have people that are just walking in, just walking right in, and then just you know, assimilating into their communities inside of the greater United States of America. They're, they're taking resources from these communities. And then I'm supposed to feel bad when a Republican governor ships bus loads or flies uh, uh, bus loads of these people to these Democratic cities and Democratic hotspots, these supposed uh, sanctuary sites. And then they're like, oh, we're being overwhelmed. It's like, well, what do you think border towns in Texas and Arizona that have been feeling this entire time? And so it's an astonishing thing. You, you obviously see what the Democrats are trying to do, because at some point, the feckless Republicans are, are going to allow immigration reform to come through. And what they mean by that is they're going to take everyone that's here illegally, which is maybe in the tens of millions at this point, And we're just going to snap our fingers, make them American citizens, allow them to come out of the shadows, as they'll say, vote. And then Republicans will basically never be able to win another election again. Now, 
Some pundits, political pundits, are like, well, wait a minute. You see a lot of uh, Latino uh, voters that are basically moving towards the GOP, and yes, that is true. But if somebody gave you your citizenship for that country and then is promising you that they will take care of you for the remainder of your life and that Uncle Sam will become your daddy, that's going to be a hard sell for the Republicans to convince them, no, we're not going to give you anything. We want you to work really, really hard. And then, yeah, you can have your citizenship anyway. That's a hard sell. But also, the new omnibus spending bill, the $1.4 or $5 or $6 trillion spending bill that went through before the Congress adjourned, you know, the day before Christmas or Christmas Eve or whatever, there was a clause. Maybe you didn't know this. There's a clause in that bill that said absolutely zero of the dollars of the one point we'll say $1.5 trillion of new spending, okay? I actually think it was $1.6. That zero of those dollars could go to securing the southern border. And yet, there was money inside that bill to directly go to countries, I believe they were in Africa and the Middle East, to help them secure their borders. Make that make sense. Please explain that one to me. How, why, what exactly is the point of that? And the Republicans just, yeah, just signed on to it. It's almost as if there's, there's something happening that, that maybe none of us are aware of. And again, it's probably the same things that conspiracy theorists have been talking about for years. And we're all just kind of coming to uh, realize that these things are actually coming true since 2020 and we can't believe anything or anybody anymore. But this is such a crazy story to me because when Joe Biden, or sorry, when Donald Trump took over the White House in 2016 and the, the United States Congress was read as well, they really didn't do anything on the border. Isn't that interesting? There was a lot of talk about, you know, build that wall and secure the border. And hey, you know, we seized enough fentanyl. The DEA seized enough fentanyl this year to, in 2022 to kill every single American. That's just what they seized. That's not even talking about the stuff that went up people's nose or the stuff that we haven't found yet. Just the amount that we seized is enough to kill 330 million people. And no one's saying anything about it. And apparently when the Republicans have power, they don't do anything about it. But here's the thing. We've sent over $100 billion in actual dollars and equipment to Ukraine since Russia invaded. $100 billion. Do you know what the estimated cost to build a wall across the entire southern border of the United States was supposed to cost? $5 billion. Literally one-twentieth of that amount we could have in a lot of ways, secured our southern border. But Republicans don't have the stomach to actually push that through, and Democrats are certainly not going to piss off a, a huge portion of their future electorate. So that is certainly the most ignored news story of 2022, the uh, unbelievable situation we have on our southern border. And then the most talked about news story of 2022, I obviously just talked about it with the last thing, is obviously Russia invading Ukraine. It's certainly the most talked about news story. It is a sovereign nation invading another sovereign nation, we knew that this was coming. Um, a lot of people pointed out that after the Russians saw what the Americans did in Afghanistan, they realized like, oh, Joe Biden's a wuss. He, he's, he's a paper tiger. There's nothing he's going to do to us to push us back. So we're just going to go. Now, that may or may not be true, but it makes a lot of sense. Because if you think there's a guy in the White House that's going to you know, put a missile in your rear end, you're, you're probably not going to go messing around like that. But 
here we are in this situation. What we're seeing in uh, the only, I guess, thing that we could see from that situation is a lot of those same people that were pointing at the situation in Afghanistan leading to the situation in Ukraine were also pointing to what the Chinese would eventually do with Taiwan. But we're seeing right now what's happening with the international community, but mainly the United States arming and preparing the Ukrainians to basically push back against the Russians. We're also seeing that the Russians were probably a paper tiger all along, that their military was not sophisticated. Their their soldiers are not sophisticated and they're running out of you know military armaments and they're running out of soldiers to do their bidding. So maybe that'll give China some pause that maybe Taiwan can actually defend themselves quite a bit better than what everybody's expecting. But that's the most dominant news story of the year. Obviously, we didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about it on this podcast because it's so complicated. You can't really trust anything that's coming from the Russian media or the Ukrainian media. Because do y'all remember when Ukraine fired a missile, we think on accident, but we don't know, into Poland and killed some people? And then they immediately blamed that on Russia, said that Russia were trying to kill Ukrainians and accidentally killed the Polish. And then they tried to raise more funds. The, the Ukrainians of, of Vladimir Zelensky was trying to get more funds from the international community because look what Russia is doing to escalate this war. Now they're killing Polish people. It wasn't a Russian missile. It was a Ukrainian one. Again, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say that it was an accident. But what if it wasn't right? There's so much that could be talked about. But, you know, that's that's basically the extent of what I'm assuming will happen with that story. We'll just have to continue to follow that into 2023. Now, the biggest news story of 2022 is obviously the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. That happened on June the 24th. I talked about that. Uh, I talked about that case a lot. Uh, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. Obviously, I talked about my favorite podcast of the year was right after I got the news that that had been overturned. You know, we've gotten stories that over 10,000 children have been saved from uh, the predation of either their mothers or uh, these doctors or these organizations that just love killing babies and will do it. You know, if you give them you know, somewhere between 500 and 2,000 bucks, they'll make sure that your baby doesn't survive. It's a good thing. Overall, it's a good thing, but it doesn't end the pro-life fight in this country. As we've seen, I talked about that on the last podcast. This doesn't mean that we can just turn off our brains and assume that everybody's pro-life and that Roe v. Wade uh, being done with means that abortion is illegal across the United States. Again, only somebody that's not paying attention would come to that realization or come to think something like that. But that is the most dominant news story of this year because it was almost like a de- a defining moment when someone says God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. Uh, you, the first time I think I heard about that was when someone was talking about Moses. But Donald Trump being elected in 2016, certainly his morality as a person is something that you could easily call into question. His decision making, his impetuous nature, uh, his bombastic nature. But that man got three picks for the United States Supreme Court. And all three of those picks... So what would that have been? That would have been Kavanaugh, ACB, and and, uh, Gorsuch. All three of them voted to basically eradicate one of the worst decisions in the history of the Supreme Court of the United States. So again, as I said at the time, if we got nothing else from Donald Trump, if we could just delete the first three years of his presidency, where everybody's 401k was through the roof, everybody was able to sell their house, everybody was able to find a new job, everybody was able to get a raise, and you know inflation was down, and you could you know not have to make a decision between buying eggs or bread this week, you know depending on inflation and all that, before COVID and all that stuff went down. If all that were deleted, and this is all we got from the Trump presidency, it would be worth it. And there's a lot of policy wonks and people out there that are you know well what about this? And you're saying that you wouldn't have cared about this or that or military spending or anything. No, I would have cared, but if I could trade all of that in one package for the overturning of Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey, I would have done it. In a, I wouldn't even thought about it. I would have, yep. I probably would have said yes before you even finished the offer. 
So biggest news story, certainly one of the biggest, it's certainly the dominant news story of the year, in my opinion, and it is one of the greatest news stories in the history of the United States, and it's one of the greatest occurrences in the history of the United States, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, Planned Parenthood v. Casey on June the 22nd. That is the biggest news story of the year, and I wanted to do this at the end. I probably should have like switched these, these last two because I just got through talking about it. I want to talk about the biggest news person of the year, but you have to give it to two people, okay? The, the biggest news people of this year are Vladimir Zelensky and Vladimir Putin. Um, obviously, yeah, there's not a whole lot more that I can say about these two men, but you had the the world basically figuring out who Zelensky was and then, you know, thinking he's like the greatest person ever all of a sudden. And then you have the ultimate super villain, uh, super villain rather, uh, with Vladimir Putin. And we, we've seen kind of the, the chinks in the armor with uh, the Russians as they've invaded. And then we've seen the things that Zelensky's done. And we got a closer look at him whenever he came and spoke to Congress, to a joint session of Congress a couple of weeks ago. But those are the dominant people in terms of news for 2022. But before we let you go, I would be remiss if I didn't at least look forward to 2023 and look at the likely news stories that are going to be dominating the landscape in 2023. And I actually look back at my list from last year when I did this. And, you know, a lot of the things I, I, I did predict, predict that would happen, or at least, hey, these are going to be dominant news stories. So let's see if I can do it again. But one thing that we need to look for in 2023 is the continued well-planned invasion of the United States by illegal immigrants. And yes, I am using all that language specifically. Continued, because it's going to keep happening. Well-planned, because it seems to be, invasion of the U.S. by illegal immigrants. Because if 5 million people walked across a sovereign nation's border in less than two years, wouldn't, wouldn't you think it was an invasion? There have been wars that have been started by a fraction of that many people coming across the border into another nation. If you think about it this way, a fraction of that number of people walked across the Ukrainian border, like uh, the Russian army that walked across, a fraction of that walked across and invaded. And it caused the entire war to uh, the entire world, rather, to think, oh, World War II is coming, or World War III, rather, sorry. And just think about that. We've Again, I'm not saying that people that are crossing our southern border are enemy combatants, but when you think about what's happened at the border, gang members, drug lords, terrorists, people that are on our terrorist watch list, and literally, uh, my senator, James Lankford, pointed this out when he was addressing the Senate earlier this year. Just this year, we Border Patrol has arrested somebody from every single country on the planet at our southern border. All of them. And that includes countries that don't like us very much. Iran, North Korea, China, Russia. There have been nationals from those places that have just walked across our southern border. Because again, we found people from all those countries. But what about the people that we didn't find? What about the terrorist cells that are now sitting in the United States that just walked across our border because they couldn't just get a visa. They couldn't just fly to New York or take a boat to Florida and then just kind of walk in. They just went to Central America and uh, went to Mexico and just kind of walked their way through. But yeah, that's something we need to look at as we go into 2023 is a continued invasion. Also in 2023, it's going to be Trump, 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 everything Trump. Obviously, he's going to do everything he can to dominate the news cycle because he announced he was running for the president in 2024, like as early as you could possibly announce. And so he's an exhausting person to follow, entertaining, but exhausting. So that's something that you have to expect. He's just going to be the dominant news hegemon for 2023. And this goes into the next couple of things, which is Republican presidential primary race will take shape. So by the end of next year, by the time I'm recording this next year, Lord willing, 
we will know everyone that's going to be in the race for the Republican side. Because you have to do a lot of fundraising. You have to do a lot of campaigning if you're going to just go into 2024 and be ready for the election in November of 2024. So hopefully Ron DeSantis gets in the race. I certainly want him to go up against Donald Trump, but I also want to see some other folks. I want to see, you know, Marco Rubio. I want to see Ted Cruz. I want to see Nikki Haley. I want to see Tim Scott. I want to see Mike Pence. I want to see these people in the race because I want to see what they've got. I want to see if they can take out Donald Trump. Again, I have my doubts, but we'll see. And then also we've got the religious liberty case that is currently before the Supreme Court. By June of next year, we should get a decision on that. Depending upon which way that goes, it could definitely affect religious liberty in our country uh, for, for the foreseeable future. So this is a case that was brought by a website developer who somebody was going to do a gay wedding. They wanted this person to do their website. Obviously, the gay couple did this on purpose because they're activists. And this person's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm a religious Christian. Like I I don't want to use my skill sets to uh, build a website for something that I think is immoral. Obviously, they were sued, blah, blah, blah. Here we are now. It's at the Supreme Court. They had the oral arguments, I believe, last month in November, but we're going to see that decision coming up in June, so we need to keep an eye out on that. Also, we're going to see the continued push by the LGBTQ revolutionaries because they're pushing into all areas of education, certainly the government-run K-12 through schools, so the revolutionaries are just going to keep going down the roads that they're going down. But I want to include in that the continued normalization of pedophilia. Because for some of you, this year was the first year that you realize, wait a minute, people are trying to normalize people that want to have sex with children, adults that want to have sex with children. Maybe this was the first year you heard the phrase or the term minor attracted persons. They're not pedophiles, you see. They're just minor attracted persons. Just how you're straight or you're gay or, or you're uh, bi, they're just pedophilic. But, but again, we're not allowed to say that. They're minor attractive persons. That doesn't mean that we should take them out into the country and shoot them and leave their body for the buzzards to eat. No, 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 no. We just need to understand them more. Again, the push is not going to stop. This is the logical uh, end point for this. Again, I say this all the time and I use this as an example, but if an eight-year-old can choose their gender, then why can they not choose their sexual partner? And if you can be transgender and you, your gender has nothing to do with your biology or your gonads or any of that, then why can't you be trans-aged? Why can't you be a 55-year-old male that identifies as a 16-year-old male as you're raping a 12-year-old male? Explain to me how that doesn't follow. So we got to continue to look at that. Also, the escalation of the Russian aggression in Ukraine. Again, we don't really know what uh, Vladimir Putin's going to do because if he feels like it's hopeless, maybe he pulls back. If he feels like it's hope hopeless, maybe he, he blows off a nuke. We don't really know. Another story we need to be looking at in 2023 is the European Union, European Union running out of energy. So this is something that a lot of people have pointed to, that we're going to have a very cold winter and that the green energy uh, push in the in the European continent is going to just it basically fold in on itself. What people don't realize is with all these green initiatives in the European Union, they were shutting down nuclear, which is the cleanest form of energy that we have, but they're shutting down nuclear for some reason because they watched some, you know, show about uh, you know, some uh, nuclear reactor going down. And then they put in all these other green initiatives for solar and wind and all these things that are clearly not reliable. But what they've done is in order to backfill all of those unreliable green sources of energy, 
these European countries have started deforesting at an unbelievable rate because they turn the wood into these pellets that they burn to create energy so that whenever, you know, you're sitting in your home when it's below freezing in some European country that your heater can actually kick on, right? But the European Union is probably going to be running out of energy at some point this year. They're buying a lot of gas from Russia, which is helping them on this side of the war. But I, this isn't going to teach anyone the lessons that it should teach because the green activists, the the uh, climate activists, they're going to continue to push. They're going to continue to put, you know, tomato soup on classic paintings. They're going to continue to glue themselves, uh, you know, to these factories that create combustion engines. They're going to continue to do these things because they just don't understand how words work. They also don't understand the reliability of energy as we move forward. That great. You bought an electric car, but the amount, everything that's built on that car from the rubber in, in the tires, to the plastic on the inside panels, to the metal on the outside, to the paint, everything was created in a factory that is ran by oil and natural gas and coal, all of them, and potentially nuclear as well. And so you feel really good about plugging your, your car in whenever you get home at night, but you don't realize that it's not being filled up with unicorn farts and fairy dust. It's energy that is coming from plants that use oil and gas and coal and nuclear. And so the European Union and what they're doing now, trying to bring some of their nuclear plants back online, should give a hint to us as Americans to stop moving towards the path of green energy, because green energy is fine as a substitute, or not as a substitute, rather, but as a supplement, I should have said, a supplement. It's a very good idea to do that. But at the end of the day, the best forms of energy are the ones that we have right now. And the coal that we burn in the United States is the cleanest coal anywhere else. We're the only country that is getting our emissions to go down by doing the things that we've always done. We're just doing them more efficiently and better. And you know why we're able to do that? Because we're the richest nation in the world and only the rich nations can care about things like this. Because there are tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions of people that are dying on a, you know, in a decade from burning dung and wood inside of their huts. And, and getting cancer and, you know, getting all these different inhalation diseases and things like that. So those countries don't really care about you and your electric car and the, the battery that was made out of cobalt that was mined somewhere where they're, they're polluting the environment just to get this stuff out of the ground. They don't care about that. They care about being warm for the winter. They care about having a fire so that they can, you know, cook their food. So that's a lot that, uh, you know, I just threw out there to you, but we'll have to look at that as we go into 2023 as well. And the same as last year, uh, I mentioned the continued decline of co-president Biden. It's kind of like, you don't really need to say a whole lot. I think we all get it at this point, but his cognitive decline is astonishing. Every time he opens his mouth, it is astonishing. And even though we don't really see him very much now as it is, over the next two years, you can assume that we're not going to see him at all because the Democrats were able to get Joe Biden, a dead person, elected in 2020, basically by telling him to stay in his basement and eat ice cream. And to think that they couldn't do it again, especially if Donald Trump runs and wins the Republican ticket, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. Of course they can do it again. Now. If they're able to get him four more years in office, they're going to replace him before he goes, or he, unfortunately for him and his family, won't make it another four years. His decline is precipitous, but we'll just have to continue to watch that. And the last thing I want to talk about is the furtherance of the recession. That's probably going to be the dominant news story. There were little things that the United States government and the uh, co-president Joe Biden administration were able to do to kind of keep, you know, with duct tape and, and band-aids and bubble gum, they were able to kind of keep some things squared away until the midterms. But everyone is assuming that 2023 is going to be a bloodbath, <clears throat> that um, housing, uh, there could be a bubble that bursts there. Recession 
is going to be definable, even though we've already had multiple uh, quarters in a row of negative growth, which is the definition of a recession. Uh, we're going to have inflation that's going to continue to go up. The the plight and, and hurt that's going to come even to American families is going to be astonishing. So we're going to have to look at that. Uh, but guys, even in all the things that I mentioned, which I mentioned a lot of things on this podcast, and there's a lot of things that are concerning. The last message that I want to give you of 2022 is that regardless of what happens, so let's just say I just, I'm like a, you know, a, a clairvoyant and I predicted the future and all the things that we should look for in 2023. And let's just say I'm exactly right on all the stories of 2022. Regardless of what happens, God is still in charge, fellas and ladies that listen to the show. God is still in charge. This is not outside of his purview and this is not outside of his control. Now, he's going to rework everything to bend towards the flourishing of his people and towards his glory. If you read anything in scripture, that that's the story that you get from scripture is that he's going to bend things towards his glory because again, the Bible is not about us. The Bible is about God and his glory. Okay, certainly. But don't put a whole lot of effort and time into thinking about what's happening in, in the news cycle and letting that define your entire life. Now, I obviously talk about the news cycle a lot. We did well over 100 episodes this year where the news cycle was basically at the center point of all those episodes. I always encourage you to think that those things are important and to pay attention because you can't push back darkness if you don't look at it. If you're one of these, I want to be known you know, for, for what I'm for, not what I'm against people, and I don't want to look at evil, and I don't want to hear evil and all that, then you just want to operate that way. That's not good. I don't think God wants us to be like that. We also have to put our faith in Christ that even if our house comes down around us and we're left with the clothes on our back and our loved ones, we still have God in that moment. We still have the truth of the gospel. We still have the sacrifice of Jesus so that we would have a way to spend eternity with the Father. And in heaven, in eternity with the Father, we're not going to be worried about our 401k. We're not going to be worried about people coming through the southern border of the United States. We're not going to be worried about any of that because we'll be with the Father and that's all we need. All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost out on Daunted Life. Our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So I just want to give you a link to the Origin website. Again, go check out their geese, jeans, boots, protein, energy drinks, supplements, hunting gear, everything. Use the promo code UNDAUNTED to get 10% off your order. And I've got a link. Again, we really, really need those end-of-year gifts from you guys and for guys like you to hop on and be monthly donors to what we're doing. So I've got a link to our donation page as well. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Cutting the Tides, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. Judah.